Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. Uh, we're, we're starting a new series, and uh, I was planning out the sermons, and I realized, you know, I have not really done a uh, series on grace. I talk about grace a lot. I think that's one of my major themes that I, I, I go to here or there because I know how important it is, but do we really firmly understand exactly what it is when we talk about God's grace and how, how God's grace is active and a part in our lives? So the title of this series is called All Grace is Amazing. And, and I heard this, this phrase uh, first from a pastor who actually came and was a guest pastor for us at one time, uh, Frank Drenner, who is the uh, pastor up at Grace United Methodist Church in Sherman. Now, I went up and preached for him because they were having a homecoming, and we just did a swap and everything. And I, I knew that he used that phrase a lot, but he was quick whenever I, I gave him credit up there in Sherman for saying that phrase. He was very quick at saying, that's not my phrase. That was from Albert Outler, who was a, a scholar and a theologian that was at Perkins School of Theology. And it, it's a true statement that when we think about God's grace, all of God's grace is amazing. But, but, but how do we live into that, and what exactly does God's grace mean for our lives? So as we prepare to dig into this series, I invite you to go to God in prayer with me. Let us pray. As we sang earlier this morning, come sinners to the gospel feast. Let every soul be Jesus' guest. Ye need not one be left behind, for God has bidden all humankind. Oh Lord, as we move into this new month, as we move into this new season, as we have the opportunity to, to dig in and to look at the grace that is available to each and every one of us, we pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Those words that I said in our opening prayer, they're from a hymn that we sang uh, from, from Charles Wesley, Come Sinners to the Gospel Feast. And it is one of Charles Wesley's great Provenient grace hymns. It's a reminder to us that, that God's grace is a feast that everyone is invited to be a part of, to, to explore and to fully dig into, that, that not one person is to be left behind, but it is a free gift that anyone and everyone can, can hold on to. In, in the Wesleyan tradition, the, the tradition that was started by John Wesley, one of the ways we talk about grace is that it is a way of salvation. 
Uh, what I mean by a way of salvation, it is a, a progression in which way we can continue to grow in our faith. It, it's a way that we fully live into what God has done, what God is doing right now, and what God will continue to do in the future. That this way of salvation helps sustain us and helps us to grow in Christ's likeness with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It, it's a movement. It, it's a movement that, that we grab a hold of and we live into. In John Wesley's sermon, The uh, Scripture Way of Salvation, he, he talked about salvation being this. It is the entire work of God from the first dawning of grace in the soul till it is consummated in glory. So, so before we even know who God is, God is pouring out his grace on us. And, and God continues to pour out that grace all the way until we, we pass from this life. When we pass from this life and we go into life eternal with God, God's grace will still be there for us. We have some fancy theological terms that we like to bounce around when we talk about grace. Maybe you're familiar with some of these, like the term prevenient grace. There's convicting grace. There's justifying grace and then sanctifying grace. All of these four words aren't, aren't talking about four separate identities of grace, but it's fully living into all of what grace is. It's a full picture that, that moves with us as we grow in our faith. Today we're going to start with that first grace that I mentioned, provenient grace. And, and we're going to start by taking a look at words of Jesus from John chapter 6, verse 44 where Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's talking to some that are in disagreement with him, and he says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jesus has given kind of a difficult teaching at this time. He, he, he's talked about the bread of life and the being, being him, he himself the bread of life, that, that if you eat of this bread, you will not be hungry. And, and those that who've heard this teaching, they're like, why in the world is he saying this? Wait, wait a minute, this is not, this is a carpenter's son. How, how can he say all of these things about who he really is? And part of it was Jesus was talking about himself, but Jesus was also pointing to God. And he was giving us a picture, an example of what exactly God's grace does. God's grace draws us in and invites us to be in relationship with the one who created us. See, see we've had a problem. We, we've had a problem that had happened all the way back at the beginning of creation. When Adam and Eve decided to, to do something that God told them not to do, and that broke that relationship. But then from that moment on, God continued to, to build on and continued to do things to restore this relationship, knowing that 
we aren't the ones that are able to re restore the relationship, but, but he is the one that is able to restore the relationship in us, and God just wants to invite us to be a part of that journey. I think as we start this journey together about what grace is, we have to first define grace. Grace is the Greek root of the word charis, which basically means gift. So grace is a gift. You, you may have heard me say time and time again, there is absolutely nothing that we can do that can earn God's grace because it is a gift to us. However, like with all gifts, we have to open up our hands and we have to receive it. And we have to let it become a part of who we are and fully live into that gift. And that gift that God wants is that restored relationship with his creation. And he wants those restored relationships to be ones that we choose, not ones that are forced upon us. See, God enables us to have what we call free will. And, and if we want to be in right relationship with God, we are, we are welcome with open arms. But if we decide to not follow and not want to be in right relationship with God, it's not that God's going to turn his back on us and say, okay, do whatever you want. But God will allow us to live our lives in a way that separates us from God. So God starts this, this understanding and helping us see his love for us by this first movement called pervenient grace. And, and really the best way to describe what pervenient grace is, it's a grace that comes before very early in our lives. It, it's a grace that we experience before we even understand and know who God is. It's a very beautiful form of grace. It, it, it's a grace of understanding. It's a grace of, of, of seeing. It's a grace of, of exploring. And one of the things that I've realized, even at my, my age, is that you really don't get to see God's pervenient grace until you have a chance to look back, to look back and see what God has already done, to see how God has been there in the midst of our lives. It moves us to a place where we can fully expect and receive God's grace in our lives. To me, one of the, the greatest pictures that I've seen of what, what pervenient grace is comes from a movie that was re released, I believe, in uh, 2005. The movie was called The End of the Spear. It was a story about uh, some missionaries. One was by the name of Nate Saint, who uh, went to Ecuador in 1956. And, and while he was there, he was killed by the, the locals that were there. They, they did not understand why he was there. They, they saw him as a threat, so they murdered him and the rest of the, uh, the missionaries that were there. Uh, while you think that would be the end of the story, it's not. 
Nate's wife and other wives of the missionaries that were killed, they decided that they were going to take their families, put, bring them all together, and take them down to Ecuador to, to continue the work that their husbands had already started. And they were able to do this because they had a companion that was with them. It was a, a young woman who was a part of that tribe, but uh, left with the, the families whenever, uh, when Nate got killed and, and grew up within the United States. And, and as she grew up, she, she learned the culture, but she always wanted to go back to be in ministry to her own people. It was one of the scenes that, that really sticks out to me in the movie, and, and it's a great picture of what prevenient grace is. She, she's talking with a boy that she grew up with, and, and, and they recognize each other, and, and they, they, they start talking about what has happened in their lives. And, and she shares about how she has come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and how that relationship has changed, and Jesus was there in the jungle for them as well. The boy didn't see it happen. He couldn't, couldn't see it in the lives around him, but then she started to point out different things. You know how we talked about the, the breeze that blew in the winds before us, or how we talk about the help that we have going over the bridge. That's Jesus. That's not some random God that, that, that we worship, but that is Jesus giving his pervenient grace so that you may know him and his love for you. As the story continues, he, he becomes a Christian, and, and there's a great healing moment between Nate's son and him, but, but it culminates in the fact that this man becomes a follower of Jesus Christ because God's pervenient grace moved before him, before he even knew that God was there in his life, it was active and alive. Tell you what, I look back at my life. I see that God has given me prevenient grace over and over again. When I was in my mid-20s, life was pretty rough for me. I was married and uh, got divorced. I, I, I didn't know exactly what it was that I was going to do, what my next steps was. I was in a uh, job that was uh, kind of a, a, a very uh, harmful place for me emotionally and was trying to figure out what my next steps were going to be. So I did what every normal 20-some-year-old would do. I went and I got myself a paper route. And um, I, I started to throw the paper around Wichita, Kansas. And one of the homes that I threw a paper, I had to do a bill collection because they paid the paper people uh, personally. And as I walked up to the door, it was a door of one of my former college roommates. He was there uh, renting that house, and, and I went in and sat down to talk to him, and I noticed that he had on this uh, shirt for a church softball team. And I asked him about that, and he said, oh, yeah, this is like a really cool church. One of our, uh, uh, one of our uh, chaplains from our college, he, he's a pastor at that church. You, you should go check it out. Well, I was in the middle of churches right now because I felt embarrassed to go back to the church that I was at and was looking for something else. And I walked into this church and immediately was turned off by it. 
because I, I thought it was going to be like one of those non-denominational churches, but it was a United Methodist church. And whenever I walked into that church, I was like, well, I'm not going to come back here because it's number one, it's not the church I grew up in and it's not a non-denominational church. So I don't want anything to be, I don't want anything to do with this church. But then I sat down and I remember vividly that Sunday, the pastor of the church, Jeff Gannon, he gave one of the most incredible sermons I have ever heard about God's grace. And I knew, I knew that that was the church I was supposed to be in. That was the church that helped me through my difficult time. That was the church that helped me to start to explore what it meant to go into ministry. That church helped me to attend my very first walk to Emmaus. Helped me answer my call to ministry to move down to Perkins School of Theology and finish my degree, get ordained in 2011, and now I'm here. See, that is a picture of pervenient grace. I had no idea where God was, was leading me. I had no idea where God was, was calling me to go, what my, what my next steps were going to be. All I knew that there was something drawing me. There was something guiding me and leading me. And that led me to where I am right now. Now, please don't hear me say that, that Provenient Grace calls you to go into the ministry. But does it? Not, not this type of ministry, not ordained ministry, but Provenient Grace calls you to go into ministry to reach out to other ones, to share God's love and grace with others. See, that's what we do with Provenient Grace. We experience Provenient Grace when God tugs us, us nudges us, and, and leads us in our lives, but then it doesn't just leave us there. It beckons us to move forward. One of the things I love about the church is that we have two ways that, that today we have celebrated provenient grace. I tell, one picture that became even more evident and clear was through the baptisms that we have. You remember I said that we had originally scheduled five different baptisms. One of them was a, a two-year-old son of a family that has gone to this church for a long, long time. But they wanted to baptize their son. And after we were all the way done, the mom came up to me and she said, Pastor Chris, um, if you're an adult, do you have to be immersed? And I was like, no, we, we can... We, we, we do all forms of baptisms here in the Methodist Church. You know, we, we just have the, the baptismal... the bapti baptistry here, thank you, Lindsay, and, um, and we, we can do that or we can put a sprinkle. And she said, I just realized as my son was being baptized, I've never been baptized. And, and I, I said to myself as I was growing up that if I have a child and that child gets baptized, then I will get baptized. And it just totally slipped my mind. That is a picture of provenient grace. That is a picture of somebody seeing God's grace being poured out on her child and saying, I 
want that grace. I didn't even realize how much I wanted it, but I wanted to be a part of it, so we were able to baptize her along with her son, and now they will have a celebration together that on May 1st, they will be able to celebrate their baptismal birthday together. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that exciting? God's grace being shown proveniently through the waters of baptism so more people are drawn to the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Another way that we see that is right here at this table. This table that we celebrate Holy Communion through the cup and through the bread. We remember that, that Jesus opened this table to all persons. If, if you desire a deeper and stronger relationship with Jesus Christ, you can come to partake of this meal. There's a holy mystery here that, that happens that, that we can't really explain, but all I know is that when people partake of communion, it draws them closer to God. It draws them closer together with others, and it draws and reminds us that we are called to be Christ's hands and feet to the world around us. When we come to the table, when we celebrate through the waters of baptism, it reminds and helps me to see the words written in Titus 2, verses 11 and 12, where it is written, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So the table allows us to say yes. Allows us to say yes to God's love, allows us to say yes to God's grace, allows us to say yes to be in ministry with each other, to our community, and to our world. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for your provenient grace. It, it's one of those graces that it, it, it's, it's hard to kind of fully see and to, to understand until we step back and we look back on our lives. We look back and see how you have been active and moving and, and, and helping us to grow in our faith. So God, as we prepare to receive this holy mystery, this bread and this cup. Allow us to fully live as your disciples and accept that provenient grace that you give to us so that we may be convicted, justified, and live to be perfectly sanctified in who you are. So Lord, we lift this up in Jesus' name. Amen.